butter a carb? I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it. Is butter a carb? Is butter a carb? Is butter a carb? Is butter a carb? The sign read Aladdin's. Aladdin, my father reminded me, bells ringing against each other upon our entrance. We walked to the back, past refrigerators, to a white counter with a swinging door. Behind it, an industrial cutting machine the same color as the counter. Hello, my father called, echoing beyond the machine. I wandered away, picking through bagged spices, dried sage, cinnamon sticks, turning glass jars of floating olives, pinching date paste packed in plastic. Hello, Abdul Wahab, Salam. In the shadow of the aisle, I watched the butcher tie his apron. Walikum Salam, I heard my father say, resting his wrinkled hand on the counter. Ewa binti, qu'est-ce que tu veux? I blushed, passing through the shadows, my rouge transparent beneath the fluorescent lights back towards the counter. Ma fille Malika, my father said, in the colonist's tongue as I stared at the knot tied in the butcher's apron, imagining untangling and retying it. Qu'est-ce que tu veux, Malika? the butcher asked. My stomach fluttered, the monarchs ready to hatch, batting and crawling and stretching and flying. I thought of lambka for Herrera, for tagine with prunes and ground with fat like my father said they make in the Medina. My mouth watered. Chops, my father said. She likes them on the grill. The butcher turned to the back where the lamb hung and I turned my head to follow. The crisscrossing strings of his apron at the bottom of his spine behind the length of his legs moved as he walked. I vanished to the glass case, clear across the shop, longingly looking at spinach pies and stewed aubergine, kibbi and baba and hummus. My father greeted the woman who appeared from behind, asking her for rice pudding, shukran, he said, nodding his head. The swinging door creaked, soft steps on the aisle's shadow, lamb chops I heard behind me. Merci, monsieur, my father said softly as they shook hands, kissing each other's cheeks. The thought of the butcher's palms pressed against mine released the monarchs and I breathed in and out and they batted around the butcher and my father and they rested on the glass counter. They passed through the aisles ecstatic in the aroma of cardamom and fennel, cumin and star anise, and packages stained with my fingerprints. I hoped one found its way towards the counter, batting its wings, resting on the butcher's shoulder that moved untying an apron. I found my father at the front counter, prayer beads reflecting afternoon sunlight making prisms on the cashier's hands as he punched numbers. I thought about the lamb in the back, the way the butcher's shoulders leaned forward as his arms wrapped to tie his apron. My father stood in the door, the bells ringing, evil eyes watching me royal blue. Yalla binti. Through the door we stood on frosted concrete beneath the painted sign, Aladines, a gray Michigan sky. In the front seat of my father's car, he placed a double-wrapped bag of lamb chops on my lap. I rested my hands on the plastic. The lines of my palms hugged the bones as we reversed over ice and graffle, the Qur'an singing through the stereo. You're listening to KXRY Portland at 91.1 and 107.1 FM and KXRW LP Vancouver at 99.9 FM streaming online everywhere at xray.fm this is is butter carb a weekly show on x-ray fm that is half music and half advice you just heard from malika belhaj who is in the studio today as our guest and i'm dj mommy miami i'm megan hattie 
And today we're talking about food, continuing our our episode on on food for the month, our monthly theme. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Malika and uh, let her introduce herself, but uh, she is a Moroccan-American writer and youth educator. Her work explores the dynamics of authenticity, tradition, and identity. And she wrote and designed Binti, daughter of, Ar- of Arab America in 2016. And you just heard a story called Monarch from that uh, chat book zine. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that piece and uh, what brings you here today to Is Butter a Carb? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to get to be here in a good way. Um, I wrote Binti a year ago um, as part of the completion for my university studies and in kind of a um, way to kind of counteract some of the whiteness that occurs in higher education and do something that I felt like came from my community and represented who I am and who my family is. Um, And the piece Monarch, um, I was sitting in an urban planning class that I had, and for some reason I had this memory of this butcher that my father and I went to as a child. His name is Bilal, and um, he's Senegalese. And so he and my father couldn't communicate in Arabic because because he didn't speak Arabic, but... Um, they both spoke French. Um, it's kind of this like interesting irony of like how colonization um, pulls us apart, but also brings us together. And I, I was madly in love with this man. Mm-hmm. I still kind of am, Bilal, if you're out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just remembered this. And so I, I wrote down how I felt, you know, as this like young, probably like 12, 13 year old girl going to, going to the store with my father. Um, yeah, so that, that's where Monarch came from. Yeah, that's beautiful. Did you speak French to him too? To the butcher? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit here and there. Yeah, we would speak back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for being here. And you're also one half of Yabanat. Yeah, Yabanat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is a storytelling project reframing narratives of the North African diaspora. And that sounds amazing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, most definitely. Um, So. Hi, uh, my, my mom is white. Um, she's of like Scandinavian and German descent. My father is from Morocco. He's from Fez in the north. Um, and I grew up in a Palestinian community and a lot of my childhood, I, I really didn't understand that I was like, I was North African. I thought I was Palestinian because of the community that I was raised in, the people who raised me. Um, and I had a mentor in high school who um, like showed me a map and showed me where my father was from. And I realized that my people were from Africa, um, from North Africa specifically, um, from the Sahara. And uh, so I started to really kind of identify in that way and try to understand, like, what's our history and where do we come from and who are our people and how do I honor my ancestors? And um, as I've been kind of like growing in the work that I've been doing, um, a friend of mine from back home connected me with a young woman who lives in Denver. Um, her name is uh, Ananas Mustafa, and she uh, and I share really similar identities. Her mama is white as well, and her father is um, from Sudan. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of connected over the shared identity um, and started building with each other. Um, so we're working on a series of zines right now called Dear Baba. They're just open letters to our fathers. Um, and we've been kind of exploring different like projects with each other, but we just uh, finished teaching a counter storytelling and um, self-publishing uh, workshop in um, Baltimore, Maryland, which we which we got funded through a social justice fund. So um, we're we're building with each other, both like kind of getting to know each other and like building as sisters, um, but also kind of thinking about like how um, 
North African identity within like the broader Arab identity can really be um, exposed in its nuance. So, yeah. Amazing. So today we'll be uh, talking about several different topics um, that are related to you and just folks in general. Uh, We have dinner parties as our first segment that we wanted to segue into because I know that you host pop-up dinners uh, for artists and uh, different creatives to create community. Uh, If you are listening out there in x-ray world and want to ask Malika a question or share some of your favorite dinner party memories, uh, you can do so by texting 971-220-KXRY. That's 971-220-5979. And uh, those, those will pop up right here in the booth and we can answer your questions, share your memories, thoughts on air. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you start doing these pop-up dinners? Um, I've been making dinner forever um, for people. Um, my, both my parents are amazing cooks and very welcoming people, and we always, we often have people in our home. Um, and so uh, when I was graduating from high school in Michigan, um, I, like, as I was graduating, I was ready to get out of there, and I, I made this huge meal and party for my graduation, had, like, all the people who I was in community with over, and um, I just realized that, like, by doing this, I could connect all the different people who I was connected with, because I've always um, connected with lots of, lots of different people in lots of different circles, but maybe sometimes they weren't connected with each other, and in that space and in that time, I saw all these people connecting, and I was, like, six, 17 or 16. Um, and so that's always kind of been something that's been very natural for me. Um, and I kind of strayed away from that for a while, um, for various reasons. And in the past few years, um, I, I wanted to do that again because I felt like it was important for me to like build and have a space that felt like, um, home, uh, in a place that isn't my home and that like I'm, I'm a guest in. Um, in the city and so I just started inviting people over for lamb roasts like people who I was close with and you know people always like ask me how to cook our food Um, and I've always struggled with like knowing how do I tell someone how to do this because I've been learning how to do this since I was a child and I still don't get it right Mm -hmm. according to my to my father and my mother and my aunties and uncles Mm -hmm. etc and so it's difficult for me to feel like I can give that to people um, because I don't know if I have it yet either so I just started inviting people over and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because I just love people. I love connecting and I want, um, it's not really about me. It's about like us all building with each other and part of like this movement, um, and like connecting and like loving and finding joy with each other. So it really just comes from who I am in my heart, um, and making that time for us to, for us to connect. So how do you think you'll know when you'll have made it? You said, you know, right now you don't have, have the special the special <laughs> skill, according to your father. Yeah. What, what do you think will be the signifier? Is there a spe- specific dish that you think once mm. you master it, it'll, mm. it'll be over? Yeah, you know, um, man, it's so interesting. Because, like, one of the things I experienced growing up was, like, we would make something a certain way. And I'm, I can be kind of a perfectionist. And so, like, I know, I remember, like, learning it this way. And then years later, you know, my father would be like, oh, no, no, we didn't make it like that. We made it this way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is he, like, <laughs> am I tripping? Is he, um, is he messing with me? Um, you know, to me, like, there isn't a made it. Like, it, it's just, like, part of this process of, like, learning and, like, connecting. And, like, I think that, like, one of the things about, um, coming from the ancestry I come from is that like um, 
like my ancestors speak through me and so like the way that I make things might not be how they did it it might not be how my auntie does it or how my my father does it um, or how my mom learned how to do it from my dad's family um, but it is authentic to who I am today as an American as a first generation as diasporic as all these things um, and so I think I made it in that sense and and making it to me is more like being less focused on perfectionism and like getting it right and more focused on like growth and like joy and that like if people are together and happy that's more important than like it being perfect you know or it being like right um so I'm trying to do that because I, I struggle with that for sure do you enjoy cooking for pleasure like if you're all alone one evening too oh what yeah do you do yeah all the time all the time all I do is cook um all I, I mean it's something that like I could put an album on, you know, I could listen to Fresh Air, my favorite mm-hmm. radio show. Terry Gross. <laughs> Terry Gross. After his butter carb, though, right? <laughs> his butter carb. Yeah, after his butter carb, for sure. Um, but, yeah, no, I cook all the time. Um, it calms me down, um, and I feel good when I eat food that I made, so, yeah. Absolutely. How how have you had, uh, how have you experienced dinner parties in your life, DJ Mommy Miami? I I've only recently gone to formal dinner parties. I feel like it's like one of those very adult things to do, mm-hmm. like to be invited over for a dinner party and just it's a very intentional type of gathering. I mm-hmm. think that maybe we learn to appreciate when we get older because we realize that that connection is kind of what can connect us with others in a way that going out and partying and drinking might not. Mm-hmm. Um, the first like different look into dinner parties that I saw was I was dating someone for a few years and they were white and they had very different styles of eating with their family and that was pretty shocking to me to be like oh y'all every night like sit at a table Mm. like oh this is like what I listened or heard about on you know Nick at night (laughs) like (laughs) families need to eat together (laughs) Um, and so it was a very strange kind of world to jump into and see and uh, like for holidays too, our family, we all we all just like there's just open food all the time. You know, we're all walking around. There's like 30 to 40 of us in one house, so mm-hmm. there isn't actually space for us all to sit at and eat at the same time. It's very lively. It's very different. Um, yeah, so it's it's it tells you a lot about kind of the way people function and mm-hmm. and live their lives when you get a glimpse into the way they celebrate and do dinner parties with each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of had the same experience because I just grew up living far away from other family and so just be the four of us in my family eating together most of the time and so that was always what happened and I definitely took that for granted. And then when I was an au pair in France when I was 19, I found myself like at these huge family dinners with like the heads of the family, grandparents in the countryside with like 12 people sitting at the table for like three hours, which Mm -hmm. was really like, I was there enjoying the food, but, and feeling more like an observer, but still like we're all eating the same thing. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's at least something I had enough vocabulary to talk about because I had a hard time communicating at that point in my life in French. And so it was always amazing to see kind of what the traditions are and in other cultures and I look forward to throwing some adult dinner parties for sure perhaps yeah. in the future mm. what do your dinner parties look like here yeah um 
I would love to ask the people who come to them <laughs> what they look like. Yeah, if, you, if um, you've gone to one of Malika's dinner <laughs> parties, please text us, 971-220-KXRY. That's 971-220-5979. And maybe, like, who would you invite to a dinner party if you could invite anyone? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, my dinner parties are, like, just like there's a lot going on they're like they're busy kind of like what you were just saying about your family like there's a lot of people the last one that I had there was like 40 or 40 or 50 people and and the place that I live in is real small um so like the table was just full of food and people could like get food as they wanted and then they could sit outside you know people just kicking it there's like a big carpet um outside and people were just sitting and you know drinking tea and eating food and kind of being in community with each other, um, connecting across communities. Um, always so much food. Like there always ha- there can't be scarcity. Like there always should be like leftovers for people to take home. Um, always got music going on. Usually bring my albums downstairs and play records or have a friend play music. The last the last party I had actually my friend Vincent, who some of y'all might know, goes under the name Vamport um with undercats he um he played the music and he played roy airs and all the stuff that i love so it's just like mixing all my different you know all my different communities together and kind of just like celebrating and i'm usually running around like a <laughs> chicken with my head cut off um so yeah they're fun for me i hope the other people feel that way too i mean they sound fun i don't know how you couldn't have fun yeah, it sounds amazing <laughs> and did you have a special song to share that you play at your dinner parties Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we were just going to play some Roy Ayers because that's my man. Grew up listening to Roy Ayers and wanted to give him a shout out because we just got to see him in Portland a few months ago. It was tight. Uh, maybe I'll have to catch him next time. Cool. We're about to play some, so- you know, Searching is the song title. And if you want to text us about your food memories, dinner parties, we're going to start talking about tea up next. 971-220-KXRY. 971-220-5979. This is Roy Ayers on Is Better a Carb.
Support for X-Ray FM comes from Cardinal Club, a neighborhood bar and kitchen serving seasonal food and drink from 5 p.m. to midnight Monday through Thursday and 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday. Located between Burnside and Cooch on Northeast 28th, Cardinal Club plays vinyl when they're not streaming X-Ray FM. More information available at cardinalclubportland.com. You're listening to Is Buttercarp, an advice and music show by Megan Hattie and DJ Mommy Miami on X-Ray FM. To get advice of your own, leave us a voicemail at 9373-HELP-US. That's 9373-HELP-US. Thanks for tuning in. We're back here on X-Ray FM. This is Is Buttercarp. You just heard September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Which I picked out. My name is DJ Mommy Miami. I'm Megan Hate. And I'm Malika Belhaj. And this is Buttercarb, the advice and music show on X-Ray FM. Uh, as we found out while we were chit-chatting and dancing on the break, all of our mamas love that song. <laughs> yep, my mama loves that song. Yeah, I used to call it the Planet Hollywood song because uh, when I was a kid, every time we were at Planet Hollywood, which was kind of often, because that you know, was a really fun place to go as a kid, um, that song was, was it. So I'd be like, Mom, can you, can you please play the Planet Hollywood song? <laughs> She'd be like, yeah, for sure, got you, girl. Word. That's funny. Also, during the song, we got a couple really nice texts from former attendees of Malika's pop-up dinner parties. And so one of the texts we got was, uh, from Sequoia going to one of Malika's dinner parties is a promise that you'll feel personally tended and cared for by Malika while surrounded by dope music killer food and people that might not be from your world but will always respect you a rarity in this current landscape I also want to say her ability to circumvent the oppressive colonial power structure is almost unparalleled in a person not indigenous to this land and her use of food is intrinsically tied to the skill amazing gonna make me cry (laughs) (laughs) and then we got another message that said malika's dinner parties are full of love and deep connection through food she makes a point to acknowledge indigenous peoples of the lands we eat on and i love that about our time together her mint tea is love xoxo maya love y'all and it's a perfect transition to our next segment which is tea Mmm leafy no tea no shade here we're gonna talk about all things we love about about tea can you tell us about uh i saw you posted a photo on social media uh your primary boo <laughs> my primary partner at a banana minty <laughs> yeah no i mean i joke about that a lot that like i am my primary partner um but yeah tea is probably a close second <laughs> I, i've talked to to someone on the show before about that the concept that you're you should always be your primary partner Mm -hmm. and then everything else comes next to it yeah my life feels a lot better doing that yeah sure so why why mint tea um so mint tea is the the national drink of my father's country and of much of the maghreb of north africa um yeah we grew up i grew up making tea all day with my dad um in the morning um he would wake up and make tea and read the quran and i would wake up with that image so I have I have so many um, beautiful memories attached to making tea, drinking tea, smelling tea, cleaning teapots, all of it. Um, and so I've just kind of carried that tradition with me as I walk through the world. 
Yeah, the first time we met was at the Portland Zine Symposium reading series that we both both read at. Yeah. And I saw you set in uh, your rug and mint team. We were sitting on the ground in Holocene. Yeah. <laughs> which is not, not a typical place that one might think to consume mint tea. Yeah, for sure. But it was really special to me, and it was cool to just hear different people's connections to mint tea specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, when I was hospitalized one time, and... Um, Drinking the mint tea was one of the only sources of calm and control that I felt in my situation. And the ritual looked very different than making it, I think, mm. as you make it in like a beautiful pot. And mm-hmm. um, But just even for me, getting a styrofoam cup, walking over to mm. the hot water mm. and putting my mint tea bag in there and just smelling it and holding the cup uh, brought me a, a lot of comfort. Mm. And in Mexican culture, too, it's like yerba buena is what it's called. And it's uh, something too that you give when um, you need to calm yourself, but also can soothe like your stomach if you have a tummy ache and mm. yeah ties back into food. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like eating too much pozole, you got to <laughs> remedy it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I personally have like more ritual associated with coffee. I think like wherever I am in the world, I know that if I get up and I get to have coffee, then that's like the first step towards living that day. (laughs) And so, but tea can be, I have an attachment to chamomile tea. Mm. Whenever I've been sick or had a sore throat, that's always what I would drink. And I have some really great memories of drinking mint tea also in Morocco when Mm. I was there. And it was wonderful. Mm. And I always have tea like when I first started seeing a therapist a few years ago, I was like, I have this strong memory of like my first time going and I was like, oh, you can get tea or water Mm. depending on what the weather's like. And then my therapist told me like, but if you're going to have tea, you can't put all hot water because then it will get, it won't get cold by the end of the session. You won't be able to drink it at all. And Mm. I was like, this is a session. Wow. I'm going to drink tea. (laughs) So I have... strong memories around Mm. tea just Mm. from the last few years especially Mm. yeah that reminds me too actually when i was seeing a therapist it was sort of after being hospitalized and it was like i carry that tradition into the same setting too where it's like okay Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna have my mint tea here again and it's another sense of like comfort and um yeah i just i just love mint tea so i understand how it competes with your own self for your primary partnership yeah Mm -hmm. i think that like also tea um for me is very sacred and um it's something that you know my dad's family and people have been making for a very long time um and so getting to do that is a reflection of my ancestry and that is an honor and just to kind of speak to the comments that my two friends made I think that I didn't really think about how um healing tea could be for me until um, I was privileged and honored to get to be mentored by um, Miss Judy Bluehorse Skelton, who's an incredible um, community member here in Portland. And she used to make us tea in our classes at Portland State. And um, when people would ask her how to make the tea, she would kind of just like softly ignore or say that no, she wasn't going to teach someone. And I, I remember talking to her and really realizing that I could do that. I didn't have to share that with someone. I could share the tea with them, but I didn't have to share how to make it because how to make it is um, within who I am as a person. It's within my ancestry and my people. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an honor to get to make and to share. And so it's interesting to hear you both because I think that that like 
that healing quality is is really something that um, is reflective across across our communities mm-hmm. um, and that's beautiful to me and thank you again for sharing tea with me that day yeah it was like You're very welcome. hectic too I, mm-hmm. it was I had my car had just been stolen and my laptop remember. that day yeah and I remember just being so like grateful and just blown away that there would be mint tea Mm. and I could sit for a second on this rug and be like okay I'm gonna like calm myself down Mm. it was perfect yeah I'm so glad yeah it was really sweet that's yeah thank you Amisa for inviting us yeah shout out to Portland Zine Symposium and um all the events that they're throwing and making community and yeah is that the reading I went to also were you was that I mean yes uh, yeah I think it's the only reading I've done in Portland yeah yeah, that was lovely. Yeah, that was the second time I got to serve tea at Holocene. The first was for YGB and Holding Space, and uh, it was really interesting to tell that to my father. Baba, uh, I made tea at a club in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, of course, you did. Um, it, it felt like very emblematic of like being in diaspora and being multicultural. And, yeah. yeah it, it was really perfect in that way, for sure. And to share at YGB specifically. Yeah, that was really beautiful. That was really, really important for me, for if my heart. If listeners don't know, YGB is a uh, community gathering that uh, takes form in sometimes in, in places like Holocene. Uh, there's an upcoming one uh, in a couple of days on the 13th, another on the 18th, another on the 19th, so you can look them up. But YGB is, uh, stands for Young, Gifted, and Black or Brown, and it's a really beautiful space for community, especially for people of color mm-hmm. in Portland. Yeah, and for the event on the 18th, uh, it's for youth, and I'll actually be there with the youth who I work with, and we're going to be doing live screen printing at Holiday Park around 3.30, so come through if you're um, up at Lloyd Center or in the neighborhood. <coughs> we'll be pulling prints and... Uh, making art and supporting our future generation (coughs) awesome so we're gonna go over to some more music right now this is another track picked by malika can you tell us about it watermelon man oh watermelon man yeah herbie hancock my mama (coughs) listens to the best music and she had me up on um, headhunters at a very young age (laughs) remember the album cover i love this album always makes me think of my mama um she always listened to beautiful music while she cooked so yeah herbie hancock the man you're listening to x-ray fm this is is butter a carb hope you're enjoying give us a text at 971-220-5979 if you have any special tea thoughts to share next we'll be wrapping up by talking about our mothers for mother's day feel free to share thoughts on that as well Here's Herbie Hancock. Thank <laughs> you. 
You just heard Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock on Is Butter Carb X-Ray FM weekly music and advice show. And uh, this week we're talking about food. All month we're talking about food. And today we have a special guest. Malika Bahad. I'm DJ Mommy Miami. Megan Hattie over here. And we're about to talk about our mamas because uh, they're very near and dear to all of our hearts. And it's pretty poignant, relevant, you know, to the upcoming holiday. Yesterday was Mexican Mother's Day. And this Sunday is the U.S. of A's Mother's Day. Gotta love her. (laughs) I love her. So what what are y'all doing for Mother's Day? Do you have any Mother's Day food traditions? Hmm. I don't. But that's a good thing to think about. She doesn't often eat the flowers I give her, <laughs> but I think edible flowers exist, so maybe we'll try that this weekend. Mm. I don't know. I mean, my mom usually cooked f- for us growing up, so on Mother's Day, like, she wouldn't have to cook. Mm. So my dad would make usually something on the barbecue or... On the bobby? Oh, yeah. You know, he's also Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Or like a good fish or, you know, barbecue. Dad stuff. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know. I I definitely remember trying to do the whole, like, breakfast in bed for my mom. But my mom was just like, no, I I don't want to sit in my bed and eat food. Why would (laughs) I do that? That's disgusting, Emily. I mean, DJ Mommy Miami. (laughs) And uh, and then, um, so I would try sometimes. But she also just, like, likes the food that she cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, though, actually go to this uh, brunch bar. Or it was, like, a, a buffet brunch place called Pedro's. <laughs> and um, my family was super into that because, again, we have a huge family. If you're trying to go to brunch with, like, um, for my grandma and, and her kids and then their kids, you, like, it's a huge, huge function. So we'd go and everyone would just eat a ton of food at Pedro's and... Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of a tradition we did for a while. Yeah, um, man, I have I have a lot of respect for my mother. I don't talk about her a lot, and it's something that um, you know my peers and people in my community have like noticed. They're like, you talk about your father a lot um, because my father is definitely related to like my food traditions. I think about him a lot. Um, and my mother is a really special person. She is one of the hardest working people that I know. She's a public educator. Um, she changed careers um, in her midlife, and she works with first graders. Um, and she'll like go up into the class and like play Art Blakey for these kids as they're like walking into the room. And my mother, um, she doesn't tolerate nonsense, um, and she taught me a lot about how to be strong and how to move through the world um, in a good way. She's an extremely respectful person. Um, and I think that I don't appreciate her verbally as much as I should. And we, um, we've we struggled with things in the past. And I think that part of that is like learning for me how to make amends and how to love deeply the person who brought me into this world. Um, my mother is so um, just full of like creativity she's an artist she illustrates she draws she paints 
She's an amazing cook. She listens to, she called me the other day, said she went to a snarky puppy concert. Like <laughs> this woman is like up on everything. Like she had me, you know, going to Shakespeare plays when I was a kid. Like she just, her mind is constantly expanding and growing. And that is so beautiful to me. And I, I want to be that. And so I really think that I am like her in a lot of ways and I want to be more like her. And I appreciate the opportunity to get to say that out loud because I don't think it's something that I do enough. Um, and my mama is a, an amazing cook. She cooks Moroccan food better than my dad because she mm -hmm. learned how from his mother um, in her kitchen, which, mm -hmm. which is a real honor. And she has some really amazing stories about that. Um, so it's fun, it's fun to cook with her. She, she's always trying new things too. Whenever I go home, we always cook new food with each other. And yeah, she has a beautiful spirit, my mother. And I definitely get my uh, 50 to 80 hour a week work ethic from her. <laughs> yeah. Something I'm working on. <laughs> if you want to text in, share some food related memories about your mama's, uh, things you're looking forward to making with your mom maybe for this Mother's Day, or maybe a dish that your mom used to make if she's no longer with us for you know this Mother's Day, you can do that by texting 971-220-KXRY. That's 971-220-5979. I have to say that I admire my mom a lot too. And she inspires me just, for example, how the last few years she has lived out her lifelong dream of becoming a competitive tennis player. Wow. At age uh, 50 something. Um, her mom listens all the time, uh, so you know. You yeah, gotta, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> big secrets. She started out, like, wanting to play tennis as a kid, but I don't think she ever did. And then finally, when she was in her early 50s, she just started taking private lessons and, like, joined a club. And now she's on, like, two or three different teams and playing in adult leagues. And she just trains all the time. And, like, I think that's pretty amazing. So that makes me feel hopeful for my own future and if I have a little of that in me um it can't be so bad that's dope that yeah. made me think that my mom is who got me hooping like I played basketball mm. my whole childhood I still I still hoop and my mother knows more about sports than anyone in my life and she's got me always you know keeping up on my on my basketball which is one of my favorite things in the world so She's all over the place, man. But I appreciate that. That's yeah. beautiful that your mom's doing that. That's that's really cool. Kudos to her. Yeah. That's very strong. My mom and I are also the biggest Blazer fans in our family. So Word. Same. Fun. <laughs> Behind the Pistons. Bad boys. Oh, uh, yeah. Detroit. <laughs> uh, sports. I've, I've seen sports before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you sport? Uh, my mom took me to Warriors games a couple times. Oh, Boo. <laughs> Golden State, man. Go back to the Bay. Just well, kidding. I will actually be going back to the Bay tomorrow to see my mama and my grandma for uh, Mother's Day. I, my mom, uh, she's turning 50 this year, and I will not be in town. So I feel obliged. And also, I'm, I just miss my family all the time. So Same. constantly trying to go home um, to see them. And uh, in a little bit, too, we have a couple more minutes, too. So if you, again, want to share anything before we leave y'all for the evening, 971-220-5979. But I actually called her before we came on air 
and asked her what one of her favorite songs to cook to would be. And funny enough, I I had the this, I have this one playlist that's basically all the songs that we would listen to uh, anytime, especially there was going to be like a party and people were going to be coming over. So she just like start playing this like same kind of. Uh, uh, what's the word like shuffle of of cds um and one of the cds that i was looking at picking a song from was on there so yeah we'd be all like cleaning and running around the house and be playing the jams um so yeah i picked one of those out for her and yeah i mean i'm i i love my mom too i have mad respect for my mom she raised me and my two siblings basically single-handedly and um my grandma too, she's someone who, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot closer to her. And um, we will sometimes gang up on my mom and make fun of her. And uh, it's in, it's all in love though. Mm. But um, she's a gaiajera, which means like someone who is always traveling and out, out and about. And so me and my grandma really share that and, and talk about traveling together sometime too, which I think would be really nice. Mm. I was talking with my grandma about going to Costa Rica, too. She was saying how she really wants to go there. And I also really admire the women in my family because I lost my grandpa and my great-grandpa in the last year, but my great-grandma and my grandma are still alive and thriving, and that's just really inspirational to me. My great-grandma turned 100 this year. Wow. And so that also makes me very hopeful for my own future as an old, old woman. Do they have any favorite foods that you you think about when you think about them? My grandma, she makes she lives in Arizona. She makes really good tamale pie, and she makes what does that uh, consist of? Tamale pie, tamales, just kind of in a casserole. Hmm? I'm not sure. I don't know how authentic it is, but it's delicious. Probably Tex-Mex. <laughs> and um, she would make this corn pudding when I was a kid, which we had like cornbread mixed in and it was delicious. That sounds great. Mm. My great grandma makes great pies. I love pie. It's like the Michigan in me. Oh yeah? Yeah. Oh, is that a Michigan thing? (laughs) Yeah, I always think about like being up north and seeing signs on the road, you know, that say like home baked pies, cherry pies, apple Mm. pies. I love making pie. Weaving the lattice crust so beautiful. Yeah, I, I've made a couple of pies. It takes a lot of patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my grandma makes really good flan actually, and she mm. she uh, actively sells it at restaurants in in the bay. Dope. Specifically, wow. there's this one that um, like my mom started working um, in, in recent years a second job at a restaurant. But she really is into. She like is super chatty and just like loves schmoozing. It's like her it's her perfect thing. Um, and my grandma, so it's like my mom will work there, and then she'll bring the flan that gets sold in the restaurant. Mm. And then also during the holidays, my grandma will make and sell tamales. It's like mm. she she's she's where I get my, my hustle from. I think mm. too, I constantly thinking about creative ways to make money and not, mm. and doing things too that she enjoys. And same with me. Yeah, my um, my father makes flan en français, flan, and mm. we um, we also make crème caramel, which is very similar to. F- mm. um, anyway, the first restaurant I ever worked at was El Salvadorian, mm-hmm. and so we would make. It's just interesting how like cross culturally we have these really similar foods. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I love that dessert. Delicious. Mm. Yeah, I it's kind of one of those things that I ate so much of when mm. I was younger, though, mm. that I kind of am like, I feel you. Yeah, I feel <sighs> if you. only I wouldn't have eaten this like every day for my childhood, maybe I'd want it more often. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. My mom like makes d- dank creme brulee too. Mm. Dank creme brulee. Mm. It's like almost too rich to eat, honestly. Does she have a flame? She makes yeah. a crusty on the top? Yeah, Word. definitely. Big. You crack it open with a spoon. Blowtorch. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sexy. Yeah, like, I almost want to get married just so my mom can make, like, the best wedding cake ever. Word. Would, would be a creme brulee cake? Yes. <laughs> no, just, like, a little pocket of creme brulee just for me. Because I'll be marrying myself. <laughs> um, for sure. I'll be, I'll I'll be there. Yes. Throwing down flowers. Yeah, I'll, I'll roast some lamb for you. Uh, yes. Oh, lamb is my favorite. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close it on now. Uh, thank you so much, Malika, for joining us this thank week. You. Thank you so much. Uh, this song is from my mama. It's called Oye Mi Amor by Mana. And uh, you guys can catch us next week, same time, Thursdays, 9 to 10 p.m. on X-Ray FM. Stay tuned for DJ Ed. And you can find us on Facebook if you want. You know, just search in the bar, is butter a carb question mark. And uh, you've probably got friends who like it. It'll be easy to find. I won't tell you the answer to that question, but you'll <laughs> find us. Yeah, don't ask Jeeves. Search on Facebook. All right. Thank you. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>